from the BCT Studios in Hartford, Connecticut, it's Careview with Johnny Newton. Tonight, the Praying Medics. And later, music from the Newsboys. And now your host, Johnny Good evening and welcome to Curfew on Xeno Live. I'm your host, Johnny, and we've got a lot to get to tonight. It's a big show. A discovery made a few days ago in the Sahara Desert revealed very tiny humanoid reptilian handprints on cave walls. Archaeologists believe that they may belong to an ancient race of Trump lizards. Very tiny hands, folks. You know, speaking of Trump... The Donald held a press conference on Friday where Dr. Ben Carson formally endorsed him for president. During a speech, the doctor said, you know, there are two different Donald Trumps. But I have to come clean, folks. Before Carson revealed which Trump he's going to support, he had already put me to sleep. I mean, I was out. Talk about low energy. But just getting away from politics for a minute. You know, last week, Denver Broncos quarterback Peyton Manning announced his retirement from the NFL after 18 years. It was an emotional press conference, and in case you missed it, I'd like to play the end of that for you. I finished my football race, and after 18 years, it's time. God bless all of you, and God bless Papa John. <laughs> God bless Papa John. I couldn't have said it better myself. As Rodney Dangerfield would say, that's the kind of pizza you pray after you eat. Gross. Folks, I'm gonna level with you. It wasn't a good week for women drivers. Now listen, before the hate mail starts pouring in, let me just say, I've got nothing but the utmost respect for women, okay? But talk about stereotypes. I mean, this was just terrible, and I have to mention it. It all started at a Waffle House in Florida, where a woman who wasn't wearing any pants drove drunk into the restaurant. The woman was arrested, but told police, listen, this is never a problem at Denny's. (laughs) Denny's would probably give her an application. Authorities say a woman in New York was arrested for driving around with a forged cardboard license plate. Yeah, but her attorney says that she's developed a real knack for making the real ones behind bars. So there's the silver lining there. And lastly, a California woman driving a minivan painted like the mystery machine from Scooby-Doo was able to escape a high-speed chase with police. Authorities say that although she's still at large, they're pretty sure she's either in the haunted mansion or hiding in the abandoned amusement park. Folks, I said we've got a big show planned for you tonight. Coming up in a little bit, we're talking to the Praying Medic, and later, music from the Newsboys. Be sure to check us out online at www.curfewshow.com, also on Facebook and Twitter, at Curfew Show. Give us a like and a follow. It couldn't be any easier. I also want to mention that next week I'm going to be talking about a big giveaway that's coming up, so you're going to want to stay tuned for that. We're going to take a quick break, but keep it here on Xeno Live. Welcome back from the break, everybody. You know, there's something I've been meaning to talk about for the past couple weeks, and it's because I've been seeing various news articles and YouTube videos popping up over and over about how The Simpsons have predicted the future many, many times throughout the course of the popular animated sitcom on Fox. Some lists are longer than others and include various similarities and spot-on occurrences that have taken place in the show over the years before actually manifesting in our reality. Things like video phones, radiation tomatoes, faulty voting machines, the Ebola outbreak, etc., etc. It's actually really fascinating, and it's definitely worth a Google. One of the predictions that keeps popping up in my news feed is how back in the year 2000, The Simpsons predicted billionaire Donald Trump would actually run for president. 
The show even accurately depicted the famous picture of the Donald coming down the escalator of Trump Tower to announce his bid for presidency. You know, a lot of people don't realize Donald Trump may have actually been dropping hints along the way. What I mean by this is he's actually known by many Americans from his popular reality television series, The Apprentice. And to drive up ratings later on in the show's history, they started to do Celebrity Apprentice. Now, a couple years ago, a not-so-famous episode aired, and I really just can't believe nobody's talking about it. So I want to play the end of that for you, and I challenge you to ask yourself, has Trump been leaving breadcrumbs along the way, and we just haven't seen it? I guess that's for you to decide. Here now is a clip from Celebrity Apprentice. Good evening. How are you? How are you? I hear you You had a question for me. We wanted to answer it personally. I understand that you're building a nice $2.5 billion car factory in Mexico. Well, why not? Nobody can do that like me. Do you want to tell the story or are you going to let me finish? What I say is what I say. So what are you saying? We don't beat Mexico at the border. They're laughing at us, at our stupidity. And now they're beating us economically. They are not our friend, believe me. And that is a nation that truly has no clue. They don't know what they're doing. You need to make sure your child can speak Spanish. We can't do anything right. Yeah, that's what you said the last time. Because our leaders are stupid. Our politicians are stupid. We have losers. We have losers. We have people that don't have it. We have people that are morally corrupt. We have people that are selling this country down the drain. Makes you embarrassed, don't it? It's not about you. You've lost your way, brother. Look at yourself before you pass judgment. I don't think it's going to happen. Don't you think you're being a little casual about your future? No. The U.S. has become a dumping ground. They send their cars over by the millions. When was the last time you saw a 1978 Chevrolet in Mexico? Is that what you're worried about? Maybe they're looking at that big butt of yours. I don't think so, no. It might help if you stopped eating all them fries you eat, making you look six months pregnant. I'm telling you, man, this stuff will poison your mind. You're not a nice person. Tell it like it is. There's something wrong with you. You're certainly not very good. Speak for your own self. I built a net worth of more than $10 billion. I have a great, great company. I employ thousands of people, and I made a lot of money in Atlantic City, and I'm very proud of it. What do you mean? I just sold an apartment for $15 million to somebody from China. Is it true? China. So what are you saying? I'm really rich. Man, what do you think those folks say about us behind our backs? I don't think they like me very much. I know. I think the big problem this country has is being politically correct. We have a president who doesn't have a clue. Don't be thick, all right? You don't understand. President Obama. Yes, tell me the truth. You're fired. Damn. And it only makes common sense. We need somebody that literally will take this country and make it great again. I agree with that. Hmm, that's strange.
fired. <laughs> well, there you go. Should we have seen this from the get-go? We've got to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're talking to the praying medic. So stick around. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Curfew on Xeno Live. My guest this evening is a medic and author of several books, some of which include Healing Made Simple and My Craziest Adventures with God, Volume 1 and 2. Please welcome the praying medic. Thanks for being here tonight. Hey, John. Thanks for having me on the show. I am so happy to be here. Well, the honors certainly are, so thank you. Listen, before we get into your writing, I'm curious about one thing. You say on your website that you went from being an ordinary guy who was an atheist to having an encounter with Jesus in the bunk room of a fire station. What happened? Well, I'll give you the short story. I was at a point in my life where uh, I had a good friend of mine. He was actually my, my paramedic partner. And uh, we had been having some disagreements at work. Um, I had actually been developing some lazy work habits. And he was trying to gently correct me, and I would not take his correction. This thing went around back and forth for a while, and we became more and more uh, at odds with each other, and it got very ugly. It kind of destroyed our friendship. We ended up really distrusting and hating each other. One day I decided to just bury the hatchet and apologize and admit that I was wrong and he was right. After that, things got kind of back to normal. Well, shortly after that, he came to me and said, hey, man, he goes, I'm reading this book. Uh, it's really interesting, kind of talks about world events, things that are going on. You might like it. It's called Left Behind. And I said, well, I don't really read fiction, but, you know, thanks anyway. So didn't think too much about it. And then uh, in May of 2000, I had scheduled myself to work an overtime shift on Memorial Day weekend. And uh, kind of a dumb thing to do because Memorial Day is one of the busiest weekends of the year, lots of car accidents and fires and stuff like that. Uh, but I needed the money. That week, my lieutenant came to me and said, hey, man, I'm reading this book you might be interested in reading. It's called Left Behind. And I was like, well, that's really strange. <laughs> These two people would recommend the same book in a very short period of time. So I told my lieutenant, you know, uh, I'm not really interested in fiction. I don't, I don't really read much in the way of books, but thanks anyway. So I kind of blew him off. But then the day before I went into work, I thought, you know, I'm working a long shift. Maybe I should get a book to read. So. I called up my lieutenant and I said, hey, uh, if it's okay, I'll stop by and pick up the book. So went to his house, got the book, went to the station, and we did not run any calls the Saturday of Memorial Day weekend. Now, I was working the busiest medic unit in the county on one of the busiest weekends of the year, and we had no calls the entire shift. So a few hours into the shift, I went out to my car, I grabbed the book, I started reading the book, and I had no idea what to expect from this book. What I didn't know is that... Uh, God had a little appointment with me on his calendar. <laughs> Today was the day we were going to have a little meeting. So I'm reading the book, and woven into this book is this story about God's love for me. And I had, I had been kind of raised as a Catholic, so I knew about Jesus. I knew about his death. I knew, you know, about, you know, traditional religious perspectives on Jesus. But it had never been a personal thing for me. I never thought Jesus died for me. I thought, you know, whatever. It, it doesn't really matter to me. It was kind of irrelevant at that point. I'd been an atheist my whole life, mostly. I mean, from the time I was a teenager, I just kind of didn't need the church and didn't need religion. But at that point in my life, I had realized I had really kind of run my ship aground and I kind of ruined things. And I started to sense this voice speaking to me. And this voice started to remind me of all the things I'd done in my life and 
we went back and forth for a few hours, and I was having these conversations in my mind with this voice that I knew it had to be God. It couldn't be anything else. I knew that night I had to make a decision about whether I was going to accept God's forgiveness and love or not. And uh, I really didn't want to give in. I did not want to become one of those Bible-believing, religious, judgmental Christians that I always hated. But I also knew that if I didn't make the right decision that night, I was going to spend eternity separated from God. So I gave in and I cried myself to sleep uh, on my pillow that night. And I woke in the morning and I heard this soothing, calming voice blowing through my soul. It's the only way I can describe it. With each interaction I had with every person that day, I heard this voice inside of me saying, be kind to this person, be nice, don't be a jerk. And, um, I had kind of, I, that night before, I had asked God, I said, look, if you want me to follow you, you have to give me a voice. You have to give me something to follow. I can't do this myself. And I heard, I literally heard a voice inside of me speaking to me, giving me direction. And that was how I met Jesus at the at the fire station. It's a great experience. So a few years later, you hear from God again, this time in a dream. And he tells you to start praying for your patients, which you reluctantly begin to do. But then you start to see tremendous miracles and healings. So my question to you is, because we know God speaks to us in dreams from Job 33, what advice can you give or how can someone tell that they're not having just a strange dream, but actually a supernatural encounter? Well, the thing is, um, a lot of people take their understanding of what a dream is from uh, the secular world, from psychology. And the interesting thing about the field of psychology is it makes no allowance and has no recognition of the spiritual world. The psychology is really what they call the study of the soul or the psyche, which is the mind. So psychology really is agnostic or is, has nothing to say about the spiritual world. It addresses the body and the soul, but not the spirit. So we've been taught, most of us, that dreams are just your imagination, your soul trying to work out things throughout the day that you've been struggling with, or if you eat some kind of food, it's, you're going to have these weird dreams. I don't believe any of that is true. Uh, I used to believe that there were three sources of dreams, some dreams coming from the enemy, some coming from your soul, and some coming from God. But I don't think that's true. I think there's a better way to describe it. What dreams are, in my understanding, is, and you have to understand that there's two basic thought processes that are part of our human experience. One is our soul, which is our mind, which controls our will and emotions, and the other is our spirit. So while we're awake, our body senses things primarily through physical senses. They're interpreted by the mind and they are given meaning by the brain and our mind, and our soul is mostly in charge of that. During the daytime when we're awake, we largely ignore what is going on in the spiritual world. We ignore spiritual revelation. We are not usually very perceptive to spiritual experiences. We're not thinking about things that we see in the spiritual world. Our mind is not focused on those things. But at night, when our soul is at rest, and sleeping, our spirit is having spiritual experiences. We have encounters with people and angels and demons and God and all kinds of interesting things. We receive revelation. And our spirit is traveling 
often in the spiritual world. And we're, our mind, our, our natural mind is so unaccustomed to what the spiritual world looks like. It has come up with an explanation of these weird experiences we have that basically says, no, that was just a pizza dream or that was, you know, whatever. But if you, the more you walk into the realm of dreams and the more you get understanding about what's happening in dreams, I think nearly all of the dreams we have are really spiritual experiences that our mind just cannot wrap itself around. <laughs> and I have, I've learned as I've been going on in my dream life, my dreams are becoming more and more deeply spiritual. I have a lot of dreams where the spiritual understanding about things in life is given to me and it's hard to put into words. I can't even describe to someone what the dream was about. It's just so abstract and so spiritual. There's certainly no natural words to describe it. No, no, that makes perfect sense. So something else I wanted to talk to you about is your blogging. You record your experiences praying with patients and seeing miraculous healing that's since led you to author a number of books, which are available on your website, www.prayingmedic.com. And it's just obvious that you have a passion for writing. But you do say that although you have a passion, you may not know what you're going to write about on any given day. Where does your inspiration come from? What I'm doing is, um, because I never know from one day to the next what uh, inspiration God is going to give me on a particular book or a particular subject, I always have three to, or four at least, sometimes five or six books in draft at various times. And if I have a dream or if I have uh, an interaction with someone in the ambulance or if I have a particular uh, cool interaction with somebody wherever, I will oftentimes come home and write down that experience, write down the dream, write down the revelation. And as I start writing, many times what I end up doing is dictating what the Holy Spirit is speaking to me about, how to interpret that, that experience what he's saying through this, uh, you know, rough piece of revelation or dream or whatever. And so I take the documents that I write and I stick them in a folder on my desktop. And uh, so I'm working on a novel. I'm working on a book on traveling in the spirit. I'm working on a book on uh, power and authority. Uh, I have another book on emotional healing and deliverance. And as I get experiences in revelation, I just write a document. It might be, the outline for a chapter, it might be eight or nine paragraphs on a subject. Just stick those documents, and I'm working on all these different books. It's a little bit like ADD, but for people who are writers, what I tell them is, look, there, there's no such thing as writer's block. I think writer's block is a myth because a lot of people think you have to focus only on one book at a time. And what you do as a writer, if you just focus on one book, is You'll write all the revelation and inspiration you have on that subject, on that book, and then you'll run out. Well, if you sit down and think for a while about what else is going on in your life, what you're, you'll always come up with some other subject that you feel inspired about, but you don't have a book started on that subject yet. My advice to those people is start the book. <laughs> Just start writing whatever revelation you have and start another book and then start another book and start another book. You don't have to work on just one subject at a time. You can work on many, and that's what I do, and I never run out of inspiration. And, you know, speaking of some of the things that you've written about, one of the things that really intrigues me is translation. Why does so much of the church preach against it, often labeling it as witchcraft? And maybe what's the difference between what some people know as astral projection? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think we have lost, over the centuries, we have lost a true 
spiritual lifestyle that I think the prophets and apostles had. Uh, I think the modern church has largely settled for religious practices and for religious teaching. And I think we have really abandoned the true nature of what God intended us to be, which is spiritual beings living in a temporary physical body. I think we have settled for less than what God really wants us to have. And if you look through the Old Testament and you look at the lives of Elisha and Elijah, these guys were doing spiritual travel all the time. Um, Jesus did it. Uh, the Apostle Paul did it. The entire book of Revelation, if you look at it, from chapter 4 onward, where the verse says, uh, Behold, I've set a door. An open, there's an open door before you. And the vo I heard a voice that says, Come up here. From that point on, the entire book of Revelation is a series of experiences where the Apostle John was traveling in the spirit and seeing different things and interacting with different beings in the spiritual world. That is a model for what we're supposed to be doing. The normal, I mean, these apostles and Jesus, they were the most normal Christians that ever lived. And they had these crazy supernatural experiences, but that's how we're all supposed to be living, I believe. So it's kind of interesting for me because my journey into the, the issues of subject traveling in the spirit has come mostly through uh, my open asking uh, group discussions on Facebook. I've been asking um, discussion questions on Facebook about people's experiences of traveling in the spirit for a couple of years now. And uh, I get all of these experiences that people are sharing where they are, they go to sleep and they travel to China and they end up preaching the gospel to people in a rice paddy and uh, they, boom, they're back in their bed and, you know, or they travel to India and they're ministering to people there or they travel to wherever. I had another experience, uh, uh, another message this morning from a friend in Japan who had a time travel experience where he basically got on his train. He travels from Osaka to a place where he works every day. It's a 15-minute uh, commute. He sat down on his seat, pulled out his iPhone, was going to write an um, email to someone. And as soon as he pulled out his phone, he said, I heard the Holy Spirit say, you're at your stop. And he said, Lord, I can't be. I just got on the train. He asked a woman, he goes, is this such and such a place? And she goes, yes. He looked out the window and he goes, my, it was my stop. He goes, I was on the train less than 30 seconds and I traveled 15 minutes in the spirit somehow and, and time was compressed. I have a lot of friends who are having time travel experiences. They're having supernatural traveling experiences. So I'm compiling all of these testimonies and I'm asking the Lord, how does this stuff work? How do we do this? What does it look like? What's the purpose for it? There are a lot of people who have been having these experiences for years, and they thought they were crazy. They didn't know anyone else who was having them. But once I started asking the questions on social media, people came out of the woodwork to share their experiences. And I think what I want to do is I want to write this book on traveling in the spirit to, one, to share a lot of testimonies that people are having, two, to kind of outline what I think is God's purpose for it, and three, to give us, uh, to give people uh, some examples of how it can be done safely. And the thing is, everyone knows about astral projection. So I've been studying um, astral projection, reading some books from experts on that subject. And I've come to the understanding that they are completely different experiences. Um, I used to think they were the same thing when I started investigating this. But the more testimonies I read of people who are doing astral projection, 
And the more testimonies I read of Christians who are traveling the spirit, the more I realized there's nothing even similar to these experiences. They're completely different. The experiences are different. The revelation is different. So uh, I hope to debunk a lot of misunderstandings about traveling in the spirit in the book that I'm going to write. Well, we're definitely looking forward to that. And in addition to the many books that you have in the works and coming out, you mentioned another project you're working on that we can keep an eye out for. I am developing uh, an online uh, series of classes. I am going to be doing a bunch of video classes. I'll be, I'm going to do an entire long course on divine healing. It'll be video-based. Probably going to in integrate some webinars into that. There will be a course on seeing in the spirit. There will be a course on traveling in the spirit. There's going to be a course on emotional healing. So everything that I've written, most of my teaching books, I'll have at least one long course, and for some of them, probably a short course. Uh, that I'll be I'm building those into the website right now. That's something that'll be coming out in the next month or two. Well, listen, we're all out of time, but thank you for stopping by Curfew to chat tonight. We hope you'll stop by again soon. I would love to. It's been awesome being on the show. Again, check out the website at www.prayingmedic.com. There's tons of information, blogs, an awesome weekly podcast, and information on how to order the books. And make sure you check out the bottom of the page for the links to connect with Praying Medic on social media. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Little Hand says it's time to rock and roll. Indeed it is. Tonight's song, He Reigns, comes from a band everybody knows called the Newsboys. They're on tour right now, and to find out where, head over to their website at www.newsboys.com. You can also find their music on iTunes. And once again, with their song, He Reigns, this is the Newsboys.
That's going to do it for tonight's show, ladies and gentlemen. I'd like to thank my guest, The Praying Medic, for stopping by. Remember to check out his website at www.prayingmedic.com. And it's there you can find a tremendous amount of resources, including blogs, podcasts, and a link to get all of his books. Be sure to connect with him on social media. All the tabs are at the bottom of his page. Or just search for The Praying Medic. Remember to check out our website at www.curfewshow.com. Remember to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Curfew Show. And once again, thanks for listening to Curfew on Xeno Live. Until next week, via con Dios, everybody.